Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back with uh, Attorney General Josh Stein, and we have been talking about uh, all the certain things that uh, are so much in the news these days, like uh, we've seen during the last three months, the various protests, the changes in the administration and so forth. And then we've talked in general about the COVID-19, uh, uh, not only the COVID situation, but also the opioid situation. I want to turn now and spend a little bit of time in this segment talking about the more routine things that are going on in your office and will continue to go on regardless to these front burner projects that we're talking about. Um, one of the things, of course, that uh, people resent are robocalls and uh, unsolicited calls coming in on your cell phone and your telephone line. Where do we stand on that? Annoyed. I'm as annoyed <laughs> as everybody else. These calls are so frustrating. Um, but, you know, the reason they exist isn't to drive you and me crazy, Don. They exist to steal from vulnerable people. And they succeed to the tune of billions of dollars every year. And so I'm doing everything I can to try to stop these robocalls. Uh, I put together a 51 attorney general coalition. Again, every AG, Democratic and Republican. And we negotiated a series of anti-robocall principles with the major phone carriers. And basically what they agreed to do was to more rapidly deploy technology to try to screen out more of these calls than uh, they have done in the past and to do a better job cooperating with us, law enforcement, so that we can find out who the callers are. Now, on the technology front, I think, uh, depending on who your cell phone carrier is, a lot of times you may be getting a robocall and it will say, um, robocall alert or spam alert. Um, and that's something that we asked them to do so that people could know to just let that go to voicemail. Um, but we want them to do a better job technologically keeping these calls from coming in because really it is a, a technological battle. The robocallers are using the internet to hide who they are. It's called spoofing where the number looks like a number you may even know but it's not the actual number making the phone call. And we can actually put a digital fingerprint on the call so that the robocaller cannot misrepresent what number they're calling from. And that will really help us, one, drive down robocalling, but two, make it easier to find out who they are so that they can be held legally accountable. I sued a robocaller last year, a guy in Texas who made some 75 million calls into North Carolina about car warranties. I'm sure everybody's gotten those calls about car warranties being expired. Um, so we're putting a stop to him. Uh, and my next initiative is I wanna go after the phone carriers, the ones who transfer the call from one carrier to the next to the next. It's usually not the big companies that you and I are most familiar with, You know, T-Mobile, Verizon, AT&T. They aren't the originators of the call. They're the end they're the ones you and I use, but there are some very small telephone companies that originate these calls and they make a fraction of a penny off of every one of them. We've got to hold them accountable for their role in this crisis. And, and that's where I'm going to start focusing my energy. Well, it, 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 as you said, it is very irritating. And, and the other thing that is sad about it is occasionally you miss a very legitimate call because you see a number that comes up on your cell phone and you don't recognize it. So you don't take the call and it turns out it was legitimate and you miss something that's important. Yep. 
I've had that happen too. Yeah, it's uh, that happens uh, more than I'd like to say, and uh, sometimes it's very costly when it has to do with termination of an insurance policy, for example. <laughs> no. And uh, that uh, uh, that happened to me recently. Uh, and uh, I missed a call that I thought was a robocall, and it turned out it was important. And I missed the delivery, same thing. I just yeah. didn't answer the call because I'm like, I don't know that number. Uh, and, of course, the other thing that bothers me about those is they, they uh, very often target the elderly who are lonesome and actually look forward to getting some of the calls. And, and it's really worsening during COVID because imagine how many people are out there who – you know, they, they're told don't go out and they're not going out because they don't want to catch the virus. And so they're at home, they're more isolated, they're lonelier, and it makes them more of a target. You know, seniors, they have more money, they have more wealth, they have a nest egg that they've built up over a lifetime. So for a lot of reasons, they are very attractive targets for criminals. And we spend a lot of time trying to educate people about what to look for to avoid being scammed. You know, when they're pitching something that sounds so good, uh, then you know it's not gonna be true. Or if they really try to change your emotions, play with your emotions, either make you incredibly excited, like you won a, a sweepstakes or a big award, or they try to make you afraid, like the IRS or the social security has a, a warrant out for your arrest. And if you don't pay immediately, you're gonna get arrested. They get you all excitable because that's when we don't make good decisions. And they know that they're master psychologists, psychiatrists. And so um, people just need to be really careful and hang up. Here's the thing is if you have any doubt, if you just, you don't know, are they real or are they not real? Is it something I need to worry about or not? Just hang up, call my office toll free. We have people who have incredible experience with this. And the toll free number is 877 five, no scam. And if you call that number, you can just say, hey, is this real or not? It's so much better to protect yourself from a loss than it is to try to get that money back. And we have uh, a constant barrage of uh, Medicaid fraud cases too, that sometimes involve telephone calls and sometimes are uh, knocks at the door and sometimes letters. Yes. The, the scammers use every method of communication. They use the telephone, obviously. They're now doing a lot of texting. They do knocking on the door. They do social media. They do email. Um, and the thing is, is you just don't know who the person is. They knock on your door and say, I'm with the county. They send you an email and say, I'm the prince of Bahrain and you're entitled to money. Or they text you and say, I'm Amazon. You're due a refund. Click this link. It's not always about trying to steal your money. A lot of times they're trying to put um, malware on your computer to freeze your computer so that you have to pay them a ransom, or they're trying to get you to put your personal information on a form, which they then can use and commit identity theft. You know, just this week, Don, I learned uh, that somebody used my social security number to claim unemployment benefits. And I now have to spend time trying to clean that mess up. And it's because somebody stole my uh, social security number a couple of years ago from my um, my accountant. And earlier they filed taxes trying to claim a refund. I mean, it's a total pain in the tail, uh, but we have really helpful tools on identity theft for people. If you go to our website, ncdoj.gov, 
www.ncpa.gov slash identity theft. There's all kinds of useful tips on what you can do to protect yourself. So look, my social security number has been compromised. The criminals have it. They sell it on the internet. It's gone. But I put a security freeze on my credit reports so nobody can take out credit in my name without me putting my PIN number in there to approve the application. So even when you've been a victim of identity theft, you can take measures to, to protect yourself. I would say that that's very bold if you uh, try to rip off the identity of the attorney general. I, I think that somebody's got to be really bold to do that. Well, one thing about these criminals is they are bold. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we also have uh, uh, people hacking your face mail uh, accounts and so forth. I, I, I signed up for Facebook. I don't participate, but someone hacked mine recently. Yeah. And of course, they send out emails. Uh, so one of my friends uh, got an email that I was starting a new business and, and uh, they could invest in it. And um, that uh, it's just one more thing you have to worry about. Someone hacked both my Facebook and Instagram this week. So I've spent untold minutes having to deal with that headache. Here's really good advice on all of these things uh, is it's called dual authentication. That is a really important uh, way to enhance the security, the protections of your accounts, whether it's your bank or it's your Facebook or whatever it is. If you have your password, but it's easy for these criminals to steal passwords or even guess passwords. A lot of people, a lot of us, we, we're too lazy. We use the same password in different places. They'll hack in on one system, steal a password, apply it to all these other programs. And sometimes those passwords work. Um, so the dual authentication is, is if they compromise your password, it's not enough to change your account. Have them have the company have your cell phone number or your email and they'll email you a code to confirm that it's actually you trying to change your password rather than the criminal. And that's a really important protection that we recommend people use. Well, I'm trying to take notes on all these things I'm supposed to do and, and uh, it's it's really hard to uh, keep up with uh, those who are trying to work against me and they seem to always outwit me somewhere or another. You and me both. Um, the other thing, of course, that we have, we fortunately have not had uh, a terrible weather disaster uh, in the past year, uh, which would have been really bad considering everything else that's going on. But uh, there's always a, a number of scams that have to do with uh, emergency repairs during hurricanes and tornadoes and things of that nature. What's going on there? Well, actually, with the coronavirus, it was an emergency. And so it wasn't a natural disaster like we're accustomed to, particularly in eastern North Carolina. But because it was an emergency, scammers still tried to exploit it to take advantage of people's desperation. And, and that's why North Carolina has a price gouging law. And what our law says is when a state of emergency is declared, it's unlawful for a seller to charge an unreasonably excessive price on things that are really important. So after the hurricanes in Eastern North Carolina, we saw a lot with tree removal and home repair after the storms. And I, I don't remember exactly how many lawsuits I brought, probably six or seven against probably 15, 20 defendants. And we've resolved most of those at this point. And it's been about a million dollars we've gotten back for North Carolina consumers uh, one of which was the largest price gouging case in state history. 
with the coronavirus, we saw two different kinds of price gouging. One had to do with a, a towing company in Charlotte that was putting boots on trucks, who, which had permission to be parked where they were. But then the towing company was charging like $3,000, $4,000, up to $4,400 to the truckers to get their roads back on, I mean, their trucks back on the road. These were trucks carrying medical supplies, food and water. And I'm talking about in March and April when things were really very scary. Um, so we put a stop to that, that uh, practice. Um, the other was a company out of New Jersey that was selling masks at inflated prices. And they were trying to make $30 million in profits in a single transaction. They were trying to rip off Duke Hospital, UNC Hospital, um, the Red Cross. It, it was terrible. So we got them to agree to not do that and to pay a, a, a large fine. Any other scams that uh, we, uh, I know there's a number involving uh, COVID-19. A lot having to do with vaccines. Basically the scams morph depending on what's going on. If it's during the economic impact payment, there are scams about economic impact payment. If it's about vaccines, it's about vaccines. So what we're seeing now are scams urging people to send money so that they can advance their place in line. You cannot increase your priority to get a shot by paying somebody money. The shots are free. Go to your county health department, go to the state Department of Health and Human Services website. Uh, that's where you get the real information. That's how you sign up. Uh, do not pay anybody any money to try to get ahead of the line because it won't work. And again, uh, you can get information from that toll free number 877-5-NO-SCAM. 8775-NO-SCAM will uh, give you uh, information about scams and so forth from the Attorney General's office. And of course, you can also call in person and you'll find that information on that site as well. We'll be back with more here on Carolina Newsmakers with our guest, Attorney General uh, Josh Stein. And we'll do that right after we take time out for these messages. As an 18-year-old, I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was 0.5 credits away from completing high school, and I didn't do it. Ten years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing the educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter has just been more than the support that I could ask for. But I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is the Attorney General of North Carolina, recently 
began his second term in that uh, in that office. Uh, and uh, we have talked about all sorts of things that have happened during the last year. One of the things I wanted to, to uh, bring up that we talked about earlier in the program, uh, we've had a number of protests. And uh, one of the questions I've got is, uh, who pays for all this? Uh, when someone's property is damaged, for example, uh, in downtown Raleigh, a number of, uh, of uh, businesses had damage because of the protesters. Do the insurance companies pay for that, or is this uh, does this fall back on the property owner, or who pays for it? Uh, it depends. It's a case-by-case situation. Uh, it depends on what their insurance policy actually covers. Mostly, the most typical is the insurance companies would pay. Um, dependent on the amount of the damage, I talked to one property owner who just decided to pay for it out of pocket so that they didn't have to deal with the insurance company or have an increase in their premiums. Uh, I mean, just absolutely heart- heartbreaking for these businesses, many of them restaurants that were already taking it on the chin because of COVID-19 and all of the restrictions on dining and then to have the restaurants, uh, glasses broken, uh, tables turned upside down. Uh, it was really heartbreaking. And I talked to a number of the um, business owners and, um, you know, they, they were brave. They put a really brave face on it. And, you know, they they felt terrible about everything is what happened. Uh, they really felt. Well, apparently what happens in many cases is the uh, out, third parties take advantage of a protest. Uh, in other words, the legitimate concern folks who are having a protest are not the ones that actually cause the damage. It's people who are taking advantage of that set of circumstances and join in the protests and begin to become looters and things of this nature. How do you pro- how do you go after these people? Well, they need to be prosecuted. People who engage in criminal behavior like destruction of private property, uh, looting, um, violence, that those are crimes. And you're right. The peaceful protesters, they need to be respected, but the looters need to be tried and convicted. And I guess sometimes uh, it's it's hard to, to locate them and find them. But uh, I know in the situation of the, uh, the United States Capitol, uh, there's a lot of video and people are beginning to uh, find out that they uh, are going to be prosecuted. And they should be. I mean, what, what they did is uh, beyond the pale. Uh, you know, like I said earlier, First Amendment protects people to say things even when they're wrong. And the people who were there at the um, rally outside the White House, you know, I, I just fundamentally disagree with them about whose votes should count. I think everybody's vote should count, but that's their right. Nobody has the right to storm the Capitol and obviously kill law enforcement. There's a task force for racial equality and criminal justice going on. Tell us a little bit about that work and what, where it stands now. It was an initiative of the governor that arose after the killing of George Floyd up in Minnesota and the resulting public protests, um, which, you know, happened all over the country. Um, And what that moment really shined a bright light on things are not the way they should be. Our system of justice is imperfect and needs to be improved. And in particular, we need to address 
the way that the criminal justice system addresses, treats differently black people and white people. Um, because as you know, the words on the Supreme Court building aren't one system of justice for white people and another system of justice for black people. The words are equal justice under law. And so the governor wanted us to look not only at law enforcement citizen interaction, like use of force policies, but he wanted us to look at the entire criminal justice system um, and identify the disparities that exist. And sadly, they are real. I mean, if you look at the numbers, uh, African-Americans are uh, stopped for traffic offenses disproportionately. They are arrested disproportionately. They are detained before their trial without bail disproportionately. They are convicted more frequently for longer sentences. I mean, basically we have problems throughout the entire system and our goal, our mandate was to identify solutions to those disparities to make them better so that the system is fairer and better, but also to work for their implementation, to try to make it real. And so we spent about five or six months, we issued our report in December and the task force was really a, a broad cross section of stakeholders. It included uh, sheriffs and chiefs of police and officers and prosecutors but it also included mayors and county commissioners and community leaders. Uh, and then it involved public defenders and criminal justice reform advocates and justice involved individuals. So we really had the broad spectrum of perspectives represented and we made 125 recommendations to the governor. Um, some of them are around law enforcement practices and others involve the courts and our jails and prisons. Uh, and they ranged from sort of reimagining the way public safety is delivered, that trying to, when there's a, a call, the vast majority of calls that law enforcement respond to from 911 don't involve criminal acts. They involve non-criminal emergencies, oftentimes mental health crises. And much better to have a social worker or somebody who's trained in mental health crisis intervention training um, than take law enforcement's time, which can be better spent trying to solve crimes. And so trying to respond to public safety crises differently, um, having new policing practices, more community policing, uh, more moving people with addiction into the healthcare system and out of our jails, trying to definitely having policies on use of force, banning chokeholds, having a duty to intervene and report when an officer sees another officer engaging in excessive use of force, more accountability and transparency, body and dash cameras provide an excellent way to have an objective view of what happened, which actually serves both the officer and the citizen uh, interest. Um, having independent investigations and prosecutions when there are police-involved shootings so that the public has trust in the results of the criminal justice system. We want to have statewide accreditation of law enforcement agencies across the state to increase the professionalism of law enforcement. Recruiting and training, we want to have the best people recruited. We want to have the best training so that they're ready to go do the job. There's a program called the Criminal Justice Fellows based on the Teaching Fellows where we want the state to fund two years, uh, well, to lend money to people in high school who want to get a community college degree for two years to go into law enforcement, that if they serve for four years, 
their law enforcement, uh, their loans will be forgiven. Uh, we want to decriminalize certain things like marijuana possession. This is one of the more interesting things I learned is black people and white people smoke marijuana at very similar rates, uh, research shows. But if you look at who is arrested for marijuana possession and marijuana paraphernalia possession, and by the way, it's like 60,000 people a year are arrested. It's disproportionately black people. 61% are people of color. And we think that it should be uh, a civil infraction and not a crime if you possess marijuana. Uh, and we think that people with prior records should have their records expunged. And so we had other recommendations too, as you can tell with 125, I could go on for the rest of our time, but it's all about trying to make that criminal justice system work fairer and better. Many of those actions or those recommendations are going to require legislation. Uh, will we begin to see some bills and legislation introduced in this legislative session that uh, in fact works on some of those recommendations? That, that's our hope, Don. Uh, criminal justice reform has actually been, I mentioned opioids as an issue where Democrats and Republicans have been able to work together. So is criminal justice reform. Like it was the Republican legislature that passed the First Step Act and Second Chance Act last uh, session to help people re-enter and to deal with prior old criminal record on nonviolent cases. And so I, I really tip my hat to them for that. And there was a House Select Committee that was put together by Speaker Tim Moore, and they made a number of recommendations similar to ones that we have made. The Sheriff's Association, the Chiefs of Police Association, and the District Attorneys Association, they have all made a number of recommendations. And there is a great deal of overlap. And so we are having conversations with legislators, both Republican and Democratic, and our hope is that we can see a number of these reforms enacted this year. We've got a couple of minutes left. And so uh, you, you've mentioned all these initiatives that uh, have come forth, not only from the uh, Task Force for Racial Equality, but other things that you're working on. So what are your goals, both short-term and long-term, as you begin your second term? My, my goal is always the same, and it's to protect the people of North Carolina. And I do this in a lot of different ways. We do our criminal justice work. So reforming our criminal justice system so that it treats everyone the same, regardless of their race, um, promoting public safety, eliminating the backlog of untested sexual assault kits that remains in North Carolina. We're making great progress, but we still have work to do. Tackling the opioid epidemic and holding the drug manufacturers and distributors accountable so they pay to help us clean up this mess. Uh, on the uh, consumer side, making sure that we do a better job on robocalls. I've sued both Facebook and Google for antitrust violations, for abusing their monopoly positions in social media and in internet search to disadvantage competitors and you and me. So I want them to stop doing that. Making sure that our environment is clean, the, the, the water that people drink at home and the air that we breathe, that it's clean by holding polluters accountable. And I, I sued a DuPont and Camores over the discharge of a chemical called Kim, Gen X uh, outside of Fayetteville. Um, so making them clean up that mess. Uh, so it's all, I also wanna make sure that we're you know, promoting clean energy and building an economy for the future.
So it's it's about protecting people in a variety of different ways. Well, a lot of things are on your plate, and uh, we uh, congratulate you on your reelection and uh, look forward to seeing the results of your your work in, as you said, protecting the citizens of North Carolina. And it's been a pleasure having you on the program. Again, that uh, toll-free number for scams is 877-5-NO-SCAM. 877-5-NO-SCAM. Well, uh, we've come to the end of our program. We appreciate uh, the Attorney General, Josh Stein, being our guest, and we will look forward to being with you again next week. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend or hear the segments that you might have missed as you've been listening to the half-hour version of this program, you can go to carolinanewsmakers.com and find that information. Again, our program has been produced by Jason Kong, and as I said, he'll have another guest for us next week. Have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.